This is CryptoCore Radio, discussing the ideas, people, and projects building the new digital economy. Get the latest on blockchain technology and cryptocurrency updates with your host, Loops. Hello and welcome to Core Media Radio and this is Lutz coming to you live. So today uh, we have another ICO coming to you. Uh, a lot of these ICOs are vetted uh, between token market and then you know we take a good look at it and you know we make sure that they're vetted properly. Uh, this project is called Ambrosis and we have Angel uh, from Ambrosis on with us today. Welcome Angel. Thanks a lot, Luz. So, uh, tell us a little bit about this project. Uh, are you excited? So, Ambrosos is the uh, blockchain solution that assures quality, safety, and origins of products. Our main two applications are food and medicine, because both of these products basically go into our bodies and they directly affect our health and well-being. And basically the mission of the company is to allow everybody, all the participants and stakeholders in the supply chains or wider in the society to really know what's going into their bodies, whether that's food or the medicine they consume. And of course, using the same system, we can also restore the trust between different stakeholders in the supply chains in terms of the quality of products, whether the products have been stored properly, whether all the ingredients really came where the label is claiming them to be from, and whether the commercial agreements that the two parties are entering actually are honored by the parties. So this okay. is the mission of Ambrosus, and that's what we do. Oh, very cool. I, I personally, I know a lot about pharmaceuticals. I used to work for a, a wholesale pharmaceutical company called Amerisource Bergen here in, uh, in New York. And uh, they used to sell a lot of drugs basically but uh, it's a fortune 30 company i was a network admin for them and uh i i do i do there's one problem in the in this industry i've seen with the the records and i'm not sure if if your solution fixes that uh when when you go to the doctor right and they prescribe you a medicine uh the problem here is that after 10 years, uh, they're allowed to throw your information in the garbage. And this is from personally speaking. Uh, when, when they do that, uh, if something happens after that 10 years that involved that drug that you took, uh, it's a wash. There, there's no record of it ever happening, so there's no action you could take. Uh, if it was on the blockchain, it would never be in the garbage, right? That's correct, uh, although I have to say that when it comes to scalability for the solutions, we normally also envision a certain kind of lifetime of the data that is stored about the products. So, so far it's assumed in the food uh, that a certain time after the either the expiry of the product or the receipt of the product by the uh, recipient, uh, that the data will be released and definitely you do not store it on the blockchain because otherwise it will be, it'll be too expensive. So the question here for the concerns that you give, it's actually uh, 
um, a very valid concern because a lot of the research for uh, products that actually create, uh, you know, damage to our health is mostly about the long-term effects of it, you know, the ones which is very difficult to link. And this is something that we're trying to, uh, to actually prove to the consumers uh, from the point of view of uh, identifying the elements or the components that can potentially cause long-term damage. But in terms of storing the data itself long-term, uh, so far, if you just use the blockchain, that would be um, actually costly to put all the data on it. But with the solutions such as IPFS, for example, uh, they are promising a lifetime storage of data and at a pretty low cost for the moment. So that could be a possibility. Uh, in our current commercial applications, the requirements of the industrial partners are basically a, a limited timeline uh, because they want to release the token after they've used it back into the uh, back into the ecosystem. Uh, but it's an interesting point that you raise. Actually, you know, we we need to see how we can also uh, satisfy these kind of needs for long-term data storage for people. But the big question would be, how do you actually do that cost efficiently? Because in our case, we have literally millions of sensors that would be working with a solution recording a lot of data points. So you would probably have to store them, store the data off chain and maybe just store the hash of the data on the blockchain. Uh, but then the question would be, how do you preserve the uh, data itself or that is stored off chain? You can always right. verify that it's correct with the blockchain. So that could be a kind of a, you know, hybrid solution, so to say. But in a purely blockchain, you know, stored purely in the blockchain, that would be costly. Um, but, you know, you've made me think, actually. I know that's I'll a, go back I, to my team and actually ask them about this. Yeah, this yeah, is a big is problem a big here problem in New York, New York especially, especially because, because you, know, you know, they give you they an, give experimental an experimental drug, drug right? right? Yes. And then... And then and then in 10 years, they're allowed to throw your records in the garbage. I mean, how is that possible? Now, now me personally, I took something called, uh, uh, what was it? It was a high dosage of vitamin A. And it, 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 I, I had a procedure done where they had to take out my colon six years later. And everybody who took this uh, drug, uh, you know, they had the same problem. But when I went back to the doctor, they said, oh... You know, by law, we don't have to keep the records for that long. And I, what? And I had no, I had nothing. I had nothing to show that I took the drug at all. There's no proof in the world. So, so yeah, I think the blockchain would would solve something like this. That would be great. As far as the the storage is concerned, uh, IPFS is iffy because I work with IPFS also, and if you don't pin pin it down. And you don't run your own node and make sure that you're the person running the node for IPFS. Uh, a lot of the files in IPFS get sent to the abyss because they're not they're not being used. It's just part of the system. So you, you have to use like a pin command to pin it down uh, on your own node. Yeah, that's correct. So what, what other kind of products are, are you because you mentioned food. What kind of products are, are you are you securing? So one of our early case studies was olive oil. Uh, we work with uh, basically Italian producers of olive oil, specifically in the regions of Toscana, which has which produces one of the most uh, world-renowned kind of extra virgin olive oils, which is uh, you know sometimes it goes twenty or thirty dollars per bottle. And uh, the problem that the region is facing is that a lot of people basically bring olive oil from other countries, from Greece or Morocco, which is uh, lower quality 
oil and then they uh, simply mix it together with the extra virgin olive oil in Italy and then they you know put the label and pretend that it's the real the big deal and that is a sizable damage to the industry of course there's a lot of fraud and so on and um, basically what we've discovered uh, you know and the question is how do you assure that the oil really comes from Italy and not from somewhere else you cannot really reasonably install any sensors to to trace, you know, olives coming from farmers, etc. It would be cost inefficient and problematic. So we just decided to look for the parameters of the olive oil itself that could help determine the origins. And those parameters turned out to be the trans fatty acids. So it's one of the chemical components in the olive oil um, whose composition strongly depends on the uh, composition of the soil where the olive tree was growing. So if you actually know uh, the uh, the trans fatty acids com like parameters of the olive oil, you will know where it came from. So you can actually do clever tests at the factory where they still where they actually have to test the quality of the oil and you can determine the origins without actually tracing the olives back to the origin. And then once if the bottle is packaged, then you can actually create uh, a packaging, either a QR code or an NFC sticker uh, to which the data generated by sensors is attached. So you have a unique batch with a unique data. So this is one example how we use it in the food. And some other applications which we've used has have been baby food, uh, assuring the Swiss label of the cheese and other products coming from Switzerland, as well as wine and seafood. So these are some of the case studies that we've done. Some of them are already published on our webpage. Others are coming up in the next couple of weeks. Ambrosis.com. And it, you know, I, I was thinking more medicine, but th this is a, another great example of how... Uh, how, how very you know things need to be verified uh, here in the United States uh, we have something called uh, USD organic uh, labeling where where the in order to get this label on your product uh, it only needs to be 90% organic which means 10% of it could be crap by law it, it's okay uh, yeah it completely kills the purpose for me actually yeah, I mean, me too. I mean, that, you know, how do I know that ten percent is something? It, it could be really bad. You know, who knows what what that ten percent is composed of? But you know, by law, as long as ninety percent of it, and how do you how do you even measure ninety percent of it being organic? Honestly. Uh, well, from what I've read, actually, that there's been a lot of scandals in the U.S. with the, with these labels being completely untrue. Actually. Yeah. No. It's uh, yeah. Yeah. It's. And, uh, you know, some of them, they use the words natural, which means absolutely nothing. You know, uh, it's a it's a lot of gimmicks and a lot of a lot of fraud going on here. A lot of people lot getting of people sick. Get... Yeah, that's terrible. But, uh, but you know, I, I personally, I, I grow a garden in the backyard. I, I grow my eggplants and, you know, and I make my soups. So that's how I get away from that. I, I make sure I grow it myself. But, uh. So the I I know somebody who has an olive, uh, an olive uh, company in Greece. Uh, it's actually my my brother's wife's father, and uh, he he actually you know brings us olive oil from Greece. Uh, you know it's so good. It's like it's something completely different. Where, where are you from, Angel? Uh, originally from Moscow. Okay. You were mentioning Italy. I thought maybe you were Italian. I was going to start talking to you in Italian. No, I mean, on my father's side, I'm of Italian origins. 
Cool. You speak Italian at all? Probably Italiano? No, not really. Okay. <laughs> so, so t tell me about the ICO. How, uh, how's this going to work? In terms of in terms of what specifically? Uh, normally ICOs they have different types of structures, right? So you know, like there's phases sometimes, and sometimes, you know, they 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 collect everything and then they distribute, you know, the percentages out. You know, it's they're all structured a little differently. How's yours going to work? Yeah, so ours has a hard cap, and uh, we're releasing 40% of the tokens for the ICO itself. Um, you're actually probably the first person to hear that, so it's a bit of an exclusive here. We were going right. to publish right. the publish the blog quite literally when you called. I was about to post it, so whoever's listening, they'll know it first. Um, and the uh, allocation and uh, you know the uh, what is going to be spent on, we're basically also just about to release that information. Uh, largely, it's going towards uh, development of uh, Ambrose's uh, protocol, of course, the blockchain protocol itself, but then also development of the sensor systems uh, that will permit upgrade of the supply chains. So uh, one of the things we, were, we discovered is actually that in the supply chains very frequently, uh, we started asking ourselves the question, why is there you know, very poor quality assurance? What's wrong with the sensors? Are they hacked? Are they broken? And we realized that very often there are simply no sensors. So how do you, you know, collect data and record it on the blockchain if there is no trusted oracle to collect the data? So part of that is also we're going to uh, provide basic solutions for, for our protocol to cover those supply chains where there is a very small uh, you know, percentage of uh, sensors or IoT. And we discovered that in the US, for example, in many cases, there is a surprisingly, you know, a, nearly a complete lack of proper uh, infrastructure for that. All right. But as far as the funds are concerned, uh, I'm moving to the transparency category. Will people be able to see the funds that are collected and see how they're going to be utilized in their investment? That's correct, yes. So the, the collection is going to a smart contract, and then we're actually putting the percentages of what specific activities the funding is going to be devoted to, and uh, people will be able to will obviously do the regular reporting, and um, the uh, actually ICO itself, it's structured, I mean, we're doing it in Switzerland, and of course it's been, uh, the allocation of budget has been uh, run through a notary in Switzerland, so it's basically formally recorded what the money should be spent on so people can be assured that uh, you know we're sticking to our plan um so that's that's yeah in terms of transparency and uh, accountability all the necessary uh, mechanisms have been put in place all right very cool uh and tangibility i'm moving to tangibility section and i i guess questions from different subjects because i just want uh the investors questions to get answered and that's usually these are usually the the topics uh so Ted, do you have some type of product or something that people could see a bit some type of beta yes so what we have that people can actually play play around with now uh one of the applications is the marketplace uh we've released it in uh in a press release and uh, i believe it's also on our blog uh the how people can use it it's currently working on ethereum testnet so people need to run it on coven 
to check it out. And basically, the whole marketplace is run on uh, smart contracts, so there is no data that is stored on any server. And anybody anywhere can launch a marketplace for quality assured products. I mean, we're beginning with food, uh, and um, people can create their own or join the existing ones. Uh, the second, um, the second part that is also available now. Uh, the code, by the way, it's on GitHub. So whatever, whatever blocks are completed, we put them on the GitHub, so people can see the architecture and different modules for the protocol. Now, the second part uh, that is also accessible in a in a testing mode, uh, largely to companies, but also interested users or small businesses, they can request uh, to be added to that particular. Uh, kind of alpha version is the supply chain management software. We have the video of the demo on YouTube on our main channel. Uh, basically, it shows how interface that is actually very simple um, can be used to create commercial relationships between any two parties in the supply chain where quality is one of the parameters of the order. And again, people can see the whole process um you know how you can in that particular video it shows how you can do it with a steak uh, coming from argentina and how you assure that the steak has been always stored properly that the origins are correct and that there are no bad ingredients that went into it and um, we enable companies to use their own products and their own quality quality parameters that they can also record it uh, through through blockchain and smart contracts. So these parts are the kind of the standalone products that people are able to to, to play around with at this moment. Uh, and then also in terms of the sensor systems and uh, hardware, uh, we have the operational team that is currently participating in Mass Challenge in, in, uh, on the campus of EPFL, of the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology in Lausanne. And they are showcasing the uh, prototypes of the sensor system. So it's uh, technology readiness level five, to use the precise scientific term. What this means is it's uh, the next step, step is commercialization, so people can produce it and start uh, applying it in the blockchain, uh, so, sorry, in the supply chains, coupled with a, with a blockchain. And we are right now working with um, basically doing pilots with some companies where we are demonstrating how this software works in practice. And the first pilots were a complete mess. You know, everything just worked wrong. Uh, people couldn't get synchronized with the blockchain and so on. But then over time, you know, we improve the software part and then people actually get amazed. They said, oh, I, we thought blockchain is something complex, but the software is very easy to use and it's very intuitive. And this is exactly what we actually, what our goal is to make the uh, supply chain management software very, you know, intuitive. And for people, they don't actually have to know how the blockchain works. The only thing they need to know is that the smart contracts are not just legally binding, they're self-executing. And this can actually create a new level of trust. So for that, we already have the basic demos out and the more advanced ones are coming out in the next uh, few weeks. We've got a detailed roadmap on the rollout of all of our products for the next uh, three years until autumn 2020, basically, on our website, on, on the blog, on the blog.ambrosus.com. So people can read in details and if they have any specific questions on a particular product, we'll be very happy to follow up on that. All right. All right. Uh, a blog. Uh, the, I was just going to get to that. That was one of my next questions, your community and participation. Uh, so you, you have a blog community, uh, you know, that participate. Do you have a Slack or uh, some other type of com other communities that we should know about that people can participate in? 
Yes, so. Uh, sorry, I just uh, removed the button for a short while. So on our web page, uh, we've got uh, basically at the bottom all the links to all the social pro uh, social media profiles that we have. Uh, we have the GitHub where we put the code, of course. Then in terms of communities, we've got Slack channel. I think we've got now uh, 1,300 people over there in the Slack. User disconnected from your channel. Oh, sorry about that, buddy. Yeah, that's my, my technician. Hello? Yep, go ahead. Yep. Continue, buddy. At what point did I get disconnected, I wonder? Uh, you're talking about you have a Slack channel with 1,300 people? Yeah, exactly. And besides Slack, we also have a very active WeChat community in China. So we now have uh, three groups of 500 people, so also 1,500. And I think they're now creating the fourth one to accommodate a new batch of people. And we also have our own Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin talk uh, community uh, that are participating in the bounty campaign uh, for our for Ambrosus, where they can earn, uh, you know, we call them Ambits. So these are the pools of uh, basically that will be converted to Amber tokens upon ICO uh, for content creation or signatures or social media participation. And then we also have uh, smaller communities on, on Reddit and uh, Telegram as well as, of course, the basic social media such as Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. So basically, anywhere where we can connect with people, we've got uh, the channel set up. Uh, in Slack, we've recently had to add more people uh, who actually manage the community because now the number is big. So sometimes we leave Slack for one hour, we come back and there is already a big kind of number of questions and people are saying, hey, where are you? Why are you not answering the questions? We say, well, right, we cannot right. be there 24 seven. We're traveling, we have a lot of stuff to do. So now we've got a couple more people to help out with uh, basically answering the basic questions and talking with the community. All right, well, that, that sounds promising. That's, that's a lot more than I've heard from some past projects. That's great. So, uh, so you have your participation. And uh, we, we know what niche you fill. Uh, it's more like quality assurance, right? That's the niche that you're, you're, you're solving. Um, initially, we thought that's just about that. But actually, when we started running the pilot projects, we realized that we solve a bigger um, actually a problem for many businesses, and that is automation of the supply chains. So, um, you know, number one reason for investment in the supply chains amongst corporations in the past couple of years has been how to make them more automated, how to make them more efficient, you know, save more money and uh, enable companies to basically reduce maybe the inefficiencies in terms of the products produced and so on. Uh, but besides that, so it's, it's quality assurance automation, so real-time auditing. Uh, and also, besides that, we enable companies to actually facilitate their commercial relationships with their counterparties, because now they can enter agreements with uh, a lot less worry about whether the other party respects the conditions of the contract in terms of the handling or storage. So we facilitate this part as well. So we have uh, basically a solution with uh, escrow where people can where people can deposit a certain uh, amount of money and it will be dependent on the conditions of on whether the conditions have been fulfilled or not. And um, basically if some of the conditions have not been fulfilled so for example uh, some product has been delivered uh, with mostly acceptable quality but some for example for some time it was outside of the temperature range you can pre-code a certain discount that the person will get so you can actually have a, you know you can play around with numbers and create a very optimal kind of incentive model for people to perform so we're creating certain 
uh, also aspects for uh, basically selecting the best incentive model for the other party to perform. And then on top of that, uh, this was something that we didn't expect to create a value for, but actually with a lot of companies with whom we work, uh, the biggest um, driving force there is not necessarily the supply chain guys, but it's usually the sales guys and the marketing guys. And the reason why is they're saying, well, isn't that amazing that we can now use the blockchain technology to engage our consumers and tell them, hey, you can actually check the origins and quality of our product through the blockchain. So whilst we are in the experimental stage and, you know, on blockchain technology itself is still nascent, of course, and in our own pilots, we have uh, many parts that are still being developed. So as a technology solution on which you can rely, it's still early for that for it to serve that purpose. But it's it's already a value proposition for the companies to adopt it because they can actually communicate it to their clients. And many of them have actually said that this will boost sales for us. So what Ambrosus is, like we thought we're just helping companies to be more efficient and to be better in terms of supply chains and, you know, saving money. But it turned out that we can actually help companies and small producers make money because they can make demonstrably better quality products and prove it to the people. So now they don't have to spend money on advertisement or branding or marketing, but they can simply adopt the solution and tell their consumers, hey, you simply have to look at that and you will see what we do with quality. Very nice, very nice. I'm very impressed. Uh, do, do you have any customers at this point? Uh, because I know that the success of any industry like this, you know, depends on how many people participate, right? So how many customers actually uh, utilize the system? Are there any involved at this time? I know it's premature. Well, despite this uh, being an early stage, we actually do have quite a few uh, partners. Uh, with many of the companies that we work, we have we sign an NDA, which for me is highly unsatisfactory because I cannot communicate to the public that we're working with these companies. Uh, when we deal with uh, big corporates, it's always uh, kind of a tough question. And one of the workarounds we have found uh, in order to be able to communicate to the public what companies we're working with is our participation in mass challenge. So through mass challenge, we are in interacting with basically top five biggest Swiss corporates, which includes uh, Nestle, uh, Givaudan, Sigpa, Buller, and uh, I believe Migros. So with these companies, basically, we are having uh, certain supply chains that they give us in which they have either an existing problem or they simply seek an opportunity to boost their sales or to improve uh, the customer's satisfaction with them. And we are proposing an experimental design, and then we jointly with the representatives of their company, we develop uh, kind of proposals for a pilot project, and then we implement this. So from that perspective, I can at least share in Switzerland, uh, thanks to the partnership, thanks to the participation mass challenge, that we're working with all the top five biggest companies in Switzerland. Besides that, we also have another, like a few other partnerships at about which I'm at liberty to speak about. Uh, so we have a partnership with the United Nations Sustainable Food Systems Program, which is part of 10YFP. Now, 10YFP is a 10-year framework program. It's the secretariat that is officially, in, um, basically, <clears throat> whose official purpose is to implement the Sustainable Development Goals, which is the largest uh, development mission in the history of, uh, of mankind with uh, huge budgets allocated to it both by the private sector as well as by the governments and Ambrosus is the official partner of this program and we are 
uh, you know, we're one of the few private sector players there and let alone a blockchain technology. So we're very happy to have that, uh, to have this partnership. And this allows us to actually participate in all the existing calls for proposals for different pilots, pilot projects that are going on within the United Nations. And it allows us to develop solutions jointly with other actors, whether public sector or private sector, and to implement these projects. So from that perspective, the United Nations partnership has opened quite a lot of doors for us in other sectors. And we've also received the endorsement uh, from the EIT Food. EIT is the European Institute of Technology. It's an R&D branch of the government of the European Union. So uh, all of these partnerships, and besides that, of course, in Switzerland itself, the uh, initial R&D funding that we've received has come from the government of one of the Swiss cantons, and the operational support has come from the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology, which itself is part of the government. So we have quite a few partnerships with the governmental sector, as well as the international public organizations such as the UN. And this has been very helpful in facilitating further kind of introductions or further projects. And these uh, partnerships, they create a lot of value for us. And besides that, uh, we also have partnerships with uh, some of the private sector companies. Most of them, as I mentioned, unfortunately, I cannot mention in detail, but one of them with which the partnership is public is uh, Trek Therapeutics. It's a public benefit corporation based in America. Uh, they're based in Boston, uh, sorry, in Cambridge, just, just next to Boston. And they are developing antiviral drugs for which they uh, want to perform clinical trials. And Ambrosus is the technology uh, provider for that solution. And as far as I understand, their goal is to actually present these clinical trials for the approval of the FDA. And what is the big deal there? Well, the big deal is that if it gets an approval for, for FDA, that means that Ambrosus can actually cooperate with other pharmaceutical companies in the US in order to be compliant with the regulations. So this is why we're working with a lot of governmental stakeholders, because they create norms and standards. And our goal is to make Ambrosus compliant with the required norms for quality assurance and supply chains. And through that, we will be able to gain a lot more customers. All right. Very, very nice. Very, very well answered. Uh, so, yeah, and Amerisource Bergen, uh, another company is called Cardinal. Those are the drug companies that, that exist here that are the biggest uh all right very nice so let's see uh i'm gonna move to the marketing topic uh how do you plan on marketing your uh you know your product to to customers so um in this case we have to distinguish who are the customers we've got two large groups uh the corporates and the consumers themselves and these are the two uh kind of different strategies that we're implementing Right now, we are starting with with corporates on the initial adoption, um, basically running these pilot projects that I've mentioned and so on to show them the value to the companies that we can create. And uh, the second step and how we market that part, uh, well, I guess the very big part of our uh, marketing is just the legitimacy and experience of the team members. We have... Uh, I mean, I'm trying to see how I can put this without sounding that I'm kind of exaggerating, but we do have the world leaders from from this industry on board of Ambrosus. So that is a pretty big factor, of course, that helps us to uh, secure the right uh, deals and the right kind of interactions with companies. And of course, the existing partnerships and support that, that also helps. 
Um, and overall, uh, of course, the um, you know companies are well aware that the blockchain can be more than just a fintech solution that it can be transformative for their supply chains so at least at the level of the ctos or vice presidents for innovation they are well aware that the solution like ambrosos is something that the companies need already and in the future that'll be indispensable so maybe right now it's a curiosity and only the pioneers are adopting this uh three four years later that will be the industry norm and we want to take this time to actually become a meaningful product that has uh, significant adoption as well as you know it's gone through a lot of phases of testing because you know every time you you improve but you also you see how many things there remain to improve upon and then you see it's a big task because connecting the blockchain with the real world you know actually tracking assets and ensuring their quality uh you know through sensors coupled with blockchain that's that's not an easy feat so we hope to spend the next you know months and years honing that system to the perfection so that when we are you know in 2019 2020 that this system can be reliable that people can actually trust their health their children's well-being on the reliance of the system and in order for it to achieve that level of trust it needs to be rigorously tested when it comes to the consumers uh, the approach of marketing is basically educating them about the blockchain first. So again, if you go to our YouTube channel, we do have the first uh, kind of promotional video that is oriented at the consumers, specifically at parents, because it's about the baby food. And in that video, it's just under two minutes, so it's one minute 55. We're trying to show in a very basic manner to the people what value uh, our Ambrosos can create for for parents who want to buy the best baby food for their child but they don't know what label to trust or they're not sure about the storage and, and handling so from that perspective it's it's a definitely a very big part is simply telling people you know uh what is blockchain to begin with that's what i notice i always have to start with that because despite all the big kind of everybody's talking about the blockchain but in practice very few people you know know what it is or can fully appreciate its benefits so the first step is to educate them you know how the blockchain brings benefits and the second step is you know how ambrosia specifically creates valuable solutions for them and then in terms of the public itself uh so we've been you know researching this field for a while quite a few of our team members they've worked in uh, uh kind of consumer preferences and quality assurance of food for a while and there in the last um, actually decade in the last 10 years there's been a very big push from the consumers uh to you know they've been demanding higher quality food higher quality products they've been demanding you know the origins the quality the handling and so on so on the consumer side there's already a very strong need uh, you know, to know what goes in their product. And at the initial stages of Ambrosos, so uh, basically in 2016, uh, when we initially were just kind of pitching the vision to people, we've, we, we were met with uh, just a never ending enthusiasm. People said, well, guys, that's amazing because even if you just fail, the mission itself is just actually, it's worth, uh, you know, going, going towards because we actually, nobody knows what we're eating and we're all concerned, you know, what happens to our health, a lot of people are saying why are there so many like new diseases nowadays why the incidence of cancer is so high or some other questions and a lot of them have to do with you know what goes into our body so from that yes. perspective the enthusiasm we've received from people is is huge and when we actually started you know dealing with this and uh hello 
Yep. Yep. Go ahead. Oh continue. yeah. Sorry. Just it. Uh, just I heard some noise as if it got disconnected. Um. So so the point is that uh, initially it was a very big enthusiasm and support from people. And right now, of course, we've made progress on you know designing the specific technologies. We've published quite a few publications on on sensors and the hardware, so people can actually see that can be turned into a meaningful technology. Uh, so from that perspective, the consumers are already excited and they're demanding this. Uh, but we want to educate the rest of the community to actually show them the value that, you know, companies no longer have to put billions of dollars because that's how much they put. They don't have to put billions of dollars into marketing or promotion of branding, which, you know, people have to simply assume, well, if that company is so famous, I guess it's good quality, you know, and that's not necessarily the case. So we want to completely shift the way that money is spent from just you know pointless branding and marketing to actually putting it into the technology that will actually be able to demonstrate objectively to the consumers that yes, this product is actually good quality. So these are the two fronts on which we act in order to attract the corporate clients as well as get the wider adoption amongst the consumers. And of course, the third aspect is you know government and public sector stakeholders. These are also, you could say, our customers. They're not customers from the point of view they're not paying us but they are the users who will need to adopt this. And we're working with you know, the existing in initiatives to see what specific criteria of the public associations we can fulfill. In Switzerland, for example, we work with a Swiss Quality Assurance Association. At the UN, they have, of course, a very big need for some solutions to prove uh, what are the carbon emissions from the supply chains or production processes of certain goods, and we can satisfy those needs. So we're trying to identify what are currently the big questions within the supply chains and production that the governments are trying to solve, and we provide them these solutions through the same protocol uh, on which the rest of the applications are built. All right. Uh, yeah, I noticed if the last year, two years here, uh, you'll see that a lot of supermarkets that never carried any organic food now all carry organic food, you know, and they, they're all competing with getting things more organic at this point. And, you know, who knows what organic is, you know, how that's defined for them. I personally don't believe uh, anything's truly organic unless I grow it myself. You know, and that's the point that the words are used and abused all the time because actually a lot of people assume if they buy organic, then it's also GMO free. And that's not necessarily the case. So you can have something because organic, it, for many companies' definitions, it simply means that they haven't used any pesticides uh, or herbicides in the production of this particular product. But it can, the product itself can be actually made from genetically modified organisms. And a lot of people who are buying organic, they actually, we found out that they're not aware of that. So sometimes a simple misinterpretation or mislabeling actually goes a long way to confuse the consumers. And we want to bring more clarity to what the particular definitions actually imply. Right, right. Uh, genetically modified uh, products. I, I know I know a lot about this stuff. Uh, the, there's also a, a project here called the uh, No. Uh, what is it? Uh, non. No. Uh, no GMO Project org. It's a verification that they put. Uh, that's that's becoming really popular here in the United States. And uh, it, you, if I see it on the food, uh, it's it's a little better. You know, so, you know, it, it, every little label, tr you trust a tiny bit more, but still you don't trust anything really fully. Uh, 
you know, because the USDA organic label means nothing here. Uh, it's it, because it it doesn't mean anything. Ninety percent organic is not good enough. Yeah, and the problem is that in a lot of cases, these labels have to be, you know, actually the quality has to be checked by people. So they have to do quality assurance tests or just send people to do random checks. And that is not efficient, you know, because that still hasn't pre prevented all of these food scandals, which are increasing with every year. So from that point of view, it's, you know, highly inefficient and you simply have to trust the label to, to assume that they're doing a good job. One of the companies we visited in Europe with which we work, you know, when, when I came there, um, the guy, basically there were a few very big buildings there and the guy points to one of them and says, do you see that building? That's the factory where we produce baby food. I say, yeah, sure, okay. I says, and do you see those other four buildings, which are the same size as the one he pointed to? I say, yeah. He says, these are the warehouses where we have to store 2% of all of our production because throughout the whole life cycle, so if the product is, you know, if the best buy date is two years ahead, then they have to keep 2% of all the products that have been produced over a period of two years in those warehouses. And they say, you know, we, we have to keep 2% of our produce because the uh, quality inspectors will come and do random checkups on this. So you've got the multiple problems. You know, you've got companies who have to build all of this infrastructure to store these products. These products are actually wasted food in the end. I mean, of course, you keep them in order to, to do quality assurance tests. But in the end, this food will be thrown away because it's just been produced in order to, to do the quality checkups. And at the same time, it's not really helpful in stopping the, the outbreaks or contamination. And basically, when there is any problem happening in the supply chain, every company has a painful choice between do we do a total recall, which will cost us millions of dollars and will also waste a lot of food probably 99% of that food will be actually safe to consume but they'll have to destroy it just in order to stay sure or do you actually continue supplying this product knowing that there was a contamination in one batch risking that somebody else might get food poisoning or simply you know and not get a quality food and then you have your reputational damage and your losses are going to be even bigger and we want the companies to completely you know get rid of this painful trade-off and be able to do real life uh, real time auditing for their products on the production line or on distribution and to avoid all of this food waste and inefficient quality control checks uh, that 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 uh project is called nongmoproject.org uh it, they started off so small i mean they had maybe two two products i've ever seen it on and now i see it all over the place so they got they got big really fast this is not a government thing this is just like an independent little probably one person with a company uh check check it out when you get a chance maybe you could uh join up with them uh they're getting very popular here non-gmoproject.org uh show them how to put their their branding on on the blockchain non-gmoproduct.org project 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 non-gmoproject.org okay we'll, we'll have a look at them dot org now, okay. they're they're basically taken over, over here uh better than the government uh label you know it's a, it's an independent uh you know company and hopefully there's more that pop up right because competition is key to getting quality stuff you know when what when when competition jumps into the marketplace you know the the consumer benefits because now you got lower prices right you got and and you have quality uh you know, quality 
competition. So, you know, one's trying to be better than the other one. And, you know, overall competition benefits the consumer. Yes. All right. Uh, very cool. Very cool. Uh, you know, I, I normally ask these questions earlier. Uh, how big is your team? Uh, what What's your team like? So when you go on our website, uh, sorry, I just constantly forget to uh, hold the button. Uh, when you go to our website, you basically see the uh, team leads. So we've got currently uh, eight uh, team members. Uh, and we also have uh, about 10 advisors right now. And each of the team members is a team lead, basically. So we've got uh, people who are leading the engineering department, uh, people leading the blockchain development, obviously. Uh, we've got two blockchain development uh, developer leads, uh, Matthew and Marek. Uh, we've got uh, Professor Sandoz and Dr. Meyer on, on the sensor technology side. And with the employees that uh, are in the operational team and in, in the labs affiliated with us, I think it's currently around 35 people um so we're not actually featuring the whole team we're just featuring the team leads on our website okay well it's good to know how much you know how, how big the team is for investors uh you know how, how many people can get the job done absolutely yeah i mean this was one of the questions we were thinking um do we put all of them on the website and then many people have already said you know your website is already half of them are just people so if you add all of your operational teams you'll just have like a, just a bunch of faces uh so we're trying just to keep the team leads on the website uh for for the moment and then later on when we you know deploy a more of a kind of corporate style website then we'll have a more detailed uh, layout uh, but the operational team, for example, that we have in Lausanne, uh, who are going through Mass Challenge, it's uh, now four people who are full time just on supply chain and operations. And then also each of our blockchain developers, basically, they have their own kind of uh, software development uh, group who are building the smart contracts and upgrading the protocol. And then, of course, uh, Gavin and Yuta, who are our technical advisors, helping us build the architecture. And the solution, they have Parity. And of course, Parity is also their, our core technology partner. So Parity team are helping us build quite a few key elements of our ecosystem. Right. Uh, that's the Ethereum uh, wallet, right? Parity? Yes. The, these are the guys. They were formerly called Ethcore, Ethereum Core. And now they're called Parity. And uh, I mean, they're uh, led by Gavin Wood, one of the founders of Ethereum. And uh, the, uh, they do produce the wallet, of course, the famous wallet, but also besides that, they're doing quite a few uh, groundbreaking projects in the blockchain technologies. Uh, they, they're doing also joint testing with the UN, as far as I'm aware. And they also are working on, of course, Gavin is working also on Polkadot and building the Ethereum Common Testnet. So they do quite a few innovations in uh, Ethereum as well as wider blockchain ecosystem. Gotcha. Yeah, I heard a polka dot on my last interview. It's uh, it's not new. Just a heads up. Uh, there's a there's another technology called Supernet. Uh, Komodo is the coin, but Supernet is the tech, the the innovator, and uh, they they already have done it, and it's already working. So if you want to yeah, take a look at that. Yeah, definitely. The space is full of very interesting proposals, and uh, I wish I would have more time to read all of the white papers and uh, other documents that they publish, especially in many cases, I have to read it like four or five times before I get it, you know, and uh, so it, it does require time in order for you to understand it. 
So from that perspective, uh, yeah, it's it's exploding. I mean, one year ago, uh, following this field, this space has been, you know, manageable. Right now, following this field, it's it's just exploding. It's going in all directions. It's like the internet, right? Right. So you cannot say, oh, you can follow the internet industry because everything is the internet nowadays. So I feel that the similar thing is happening with the blockchain now. You don't, you no longer have the topic of blockchain because blockchain permeates every single industry you can imagine right it's like every coin's a website back then right and you it's it's a full-time job just trying to research every single one of them and, and seeing which one is valid and which one's not right absolutely yeah i myself i mean i used to invest a lot into cryptocurrencies and uh you know the amount of research uh, and well the, the 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 choice itself was much lower so it was quite easy to to research and to determine the projects nowadays you know it's just uh i don't even know how people are coping with this amount of information uh so from that perspective yeah it's become very challenging so uh, as uh, i mean i'm as an investor and advisor also on cryptocurrencies to quite a few people i'm just saying you know it's becoming quite difficult to to follow the whole field so now just like in the internet space i guess there'll be specializations by the subsector of the blockchain so people will specialize in the industries with which they're acquainted with so for example insurance coupled with blockchain or i don't know asset management coupled with blockchain and people are just now uh, converging quite a few different uh, you know technologies with blockchain i mean i'm seeing decentraland are doing it with uh, vr oh sorry with uh, yes with virtual reality <coughs> whereas uh, some others are mixing ai and blockchain and so on and or data analysis i mean ourselves also with our protocol uh, you know, because we are creating a ubiquitous, ubiquitous platform for the supply chains, there'll be quite a lot of data generated about the quality of products and about the origins and so on. And this wealth of data, actually, it can be uh, used for good. You know, people can use this data for they can feed it into, you know, some kind of data processing software or they can use data visualization uh, applications in order to help companies make better decisions. So even in our own solution, we already see applications way beyond our core competences. And this is one of the reasons why we're making our protocol open source, because we want, I mean, we're creating APIs also for companies to basically uh, come in and see, okay, this is the value that Ambrosus can create. And we have expertise in data processing and we can actually monetize. So we help companies monetize their solutions by feeding them data that is produced by Ambrosus ecosystem. So we're also creating a variety of opportunities for software developers or companies to monetize on their existing businesses by bringing them closer to the blockchain. All right, very great. Sounds like a great project. I'm really, I'm personally gonna, gonna take a look into it and suggest it to a few people. Uh, I'm a big, a big uh, you know, person in, and trying to get our food quality better and this is this is great uh i i'm looking for more competition and it looks like you're gonna bring uh you might be bringing the first level of competition uh to all these industries because you know people want to know where things come from they want to they want to verify exactly what product what ingredients are in the products right i mean that this is this is really good because if you could trace it back using the blockchain uh, proving that you know the quality is what it is that's uh you know that's really grade a stuff right there so uh the website is ambrosis uh ambrosus.com ambrosus yes 
A-M-B-R-O-S-U-S. Exactly. So it, it, the name comes from the name Ambrosia, which was the food of gods in ancient Greek mythology, which gave them strength and immortality. And this this has been kind of one of the inspirations for the name. I mean, I mean, it's a derivative of the name, basically. So we also want to assure, you know, the quality, safety and origins of the products in order to give people assurance of long life, strength and ability to, you know, trust the products they're eating. All right, Angel. I'm happy to have had you on my show today. Uh, I I feel that you have a very strong product, personally. Uh, I, I, if you need my help in the future, let me know. If you have updates, let me know. If you want to do like a, you know, an ask me anything type of, uh, you know, show, where I'll, you know, we'll spend about two weeks, you know, promoting it, and then we'll we'll get everybody on. I could fit over a hundred people in this team speak. And people could come in and ask questions. We could do that. Any anything you guys want, I'm here for you, buddy. All right. Yeah. I mean, we would be happy to to do a Q and A if people are interested in that. Uh, and to, two weeks is basically just be, just before our ICO. So uh, yeah, we'll be happy to answer all the concerns and comments of the community. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, uh, you did a great job. Uh, a lot of people are very nervous when they come on the radio, but you, you seem you're a natural. So, so uh, come back whenever you get a chance. So we look forward to having you again because this project looks looks uh, very, very uh, ambitious, uh, quality, uh, really good. Uh, I think it has potential. Personally, I, I think it. You, if if I were to invest in something, it would be my food. So, so, uh, great uh, job, great man. Job, man. Much appreciated. I'm I'm really glad to hear these words. Yeah, you should be. You're doing a good thing, man. You're you're helping people. You, in in essence, you're saving lives. You know, this this could save lives because people are getting sick from the garbage out there. So great job, dude. Uh, all right, guys. This is well, Lutz. We have, we have a big battle to fight, but hopefully that'll be the outcome. Yes. It's because it's not a huge. Ev- not, not not everybody. Not everybody's in the industry is really happy about this stuff coming out. You know. So, they have no choice. They have no choice. They have no choice. And you, you could see that people vote with their money. So when, when, when you buy something that's organic, you're, you're telling the, the people that are using the garbage, you know, to, to go to hell because you're, you're, cut, you're voting with your money. You're voting with what you're, you buy. And when it comes time that you could implement Ambrosis, uh, when, you know, if there's a label on the package that says Ambrosis, you know, verifiable or certified, uh, you know, assured that then people are going to start picking that that more than the the competition because it has that label on it, and people will be once again voting with their money. Uh, that's how the GMO project that I told you about got very popular because now people see the the label and they go, oh, you know, somebody's made the uh, assured that this is definitely not genetically modified. So boom, they buy it. Yeah, that's that's exactly our goal to do that with our brand as well. Yes. All right, Angel. Uh, thank you for coming on. Just hold on one second. I'm just going to close this show, everybody. Uh, we have a few people live at the moment, and this is going to be posted later tonight. Uh, everybody, thank you for joining me, and I love you all. This is Lutz signing out.
Supernet aims to give people their power back through technology by no longer needing to rely on third parties such as exchanges, banks and services, giving you privacy at the same time. Supernet Technologies is the most anonymous technology being worked on currently, with a team of developers working diligently daily. Supernet aspires to be a creative, innovative, state-of-the-art solutions provider, which provides individuals opportunity, personal satisfaction and value. You can find out more at www.supernet.org and join our Slack with over 2,500 people.